I tell you, no one messes with him. He's a badass. Did you see her kill those 88 swordsmen? She's such a badass. Yes, today on I'm Glad You Asked, we're going to explore the concept of badassery. You've no doubt heard the term before, maybe even in the context I just gave in my examples. I bet you didn't know that the earliest cited use of badass is from 1954 in a book called Young Blood by John Oliver Killens. My references, by the way, come from the Random House Dictionary of Historical American Slang. In that book, the word was hyphenated, which often denotes a word in transition going from two separate words to a single word, and had a somewhat different meaning than it likely does now. In that book, Young Blood from 1954, the term was a racial slur against African Americans. Soon after, the term was spotted in other works and had dropped its racial meaning to mean just tough in the sense of rugged individualism, stubbornness, and perhaps a sense of bullying. There's still not agreement as to the kind of ass that is meant in the term. Ass as in donkey or mule, or ass as in posterior buttocks. I tend to think of the former, since the term badass either encompasses stubbornness or at least is friendly to it. In other words, one of the modern meanings of the term certainly includes someone who goes his or her own way regardless of societal expectation. That's very much like a donkey, isn't it? Badass people are not generally seen as agreeable, which lends credence to the donkey theory. So then, what does it mean to be badass? I think we can agree, when used as a straight term, it is a positive index word, that is, you would like to have it applied to you. Curiously enough, the term is rather often used sarcastically or ironically, which I attribute to an aversion to inauthenticity. Someone posing as a tough-minded person might be labeled sarcastically or ironically as badass. We've therefore established that badass means, at the very least, tough, rugged, stubborn, and driven to pursue individual goals despite societal expectations. But surely it's more than that. We would be unlikely to label Jesus Christ as a badass, though I'm sure someone has. Maybe that's a t-shirt idea. So what more is there to the term? I submit the term also includes a certain callousness to others. Individuality, yes, but also a sense of not caring what others think. We often praise people we know with that quality. I really admire her. She doesn't care what other people think. Well, taken at face value, that's a horrible quality, isn't it? Someone who doesn't care what other people think is starting to move into psychopathy, isn't it? Do you want your attending nurse to not care what you think? I suppose there might be a hair-splitting difference between not caring what someone else thinks and not caring what someone else feels, but I doubt badasses split that particular hair. In other words, to be a badass is also to be somewhat callous, to pursue a goal heedless of other people's objections. The badass action hero slices off the guard's arm with nary a thought to the man suffering. A badass doesn't hesitate, doesn't consider alternate points of view, doesn't think about how his or her actions might affect another. The badass is also not a team player. He or she might find himself or herself part of a team, but this is usually either a temporary circumstance or a placement that was forced upon the badass. He or she will pursue team goals only as long as they conform to his or her own personal ones. 
our badass action hero, will go her own way as soon as the team makes a decision with which she disagrees. There are no tactics out of bounds for the badass. Duplicity, force, cheating. These are all on the table for the badass. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Might be a badass motto. Whatever it takes to win. Some of you might object to my characterization of the badass. You may be saying that I am concentrating on only the, well, the bad parts of the badass. Maybe. But these qualities are certainly in tandem with what psychologists call the dark triad, a trio of personality disorders that include narcissism, psychopathy, and what's called Machiavellianism. I maintain that the badass has these qualities and in unhealthy amounts. Lastly, our badass is unaffected by physical discomfort or injury. He or she can push through that which might slow down or stop someone else. In addition, the badass is unaffected by emotional injury. He or she will not allow grief, anxiety, or indecision to slow him or her down. What do we admire in this current American culture? To borrow a future cool word, what is the heroic zeitgeist in America? I further submit that in general, we admire competence, we admire success, we admire strength. Think of the ways we describe those whom we look up to. She's a strong woman. He gets things done. She's a winner. Now, mind you, I am not saying these traits are bad ones. Yes, I want to be someone who can push through difficulty, who can struggle with adversity and not be bowed by it. One of my personal favorite poems of all time is Invictus. If that poem isn't about badassery, then I don't know what is. Stoicism in the face of tragic adversity is a quality I do indeed admire. But I do wonder if we have ceded that ground in the badass hero to the less desirable qualities, the callousness, the insensitivity to others, a certain hardness of heart. Surely these are not positive qualities. Compassion is not a quality we associate with badass. In fact, it is anathema, another cool word. One might say a badass word. To the concept of badassery. We don't necessarily want to be a person to whom others can turn to for emotional comfort. We want to be the person whom no one messes with. We don't necessarily want to be the person who will heal the wounded or cure the ill. We want to be the person who doesn't get wounded or ill. There are countless movies and movie tropes that lend themselves to the badass hero. One of the most memorable ones is the 1960 John Sturgis film, The Magnificent Seven, which I'm sure you know is itself a remake or reimagining of the 1954 film by Akira Kurosawa called Seven Samurai. The story follows a group of seven gunfighters who are brought in to defend a Mexican village from the evil bandit leader Calvera, who has been periodically raiding the town. The gunfighters teach the villagers how to aid in their own defense, and much gunplay ensues. The film does have some moments in which the gunfighters and the townsfolk interact on an emotional level, but these moments are definitely to the side of the main thesis of the movie. The ending is rather poignant, where the surviving gunfighters realize that they are, to quote the village elder, quote, like the wind blowing over the land and passing on, unquote. But on the whole, the coolness factor of the seven resides in their ability to be badasses. There is virtually no talk of the human cost of the gunplay, and the one character, Lee, who has any reaction to the killing he's done, which is played by Robert Vaughn, is treated as flawed and damaged rather than human. 
My point is that the film is regarded as a good one and the heroes are regarded as admirable because of their lack of emotion, their lack of compassion to their enemies. Yes, I hear your objection. What, is Yul Brynner supposed to try and reason with Eli Wallach, sit down and talk with the bandit leader? The only thing that would have worked in this situation was violence. That's not my point. My point is that the film is contrived to make violence necessary. Just like an action movie that has the main character's wife and daughter killed in the first scene so that he can embrace his inner badass and unleash violence upon those who have wronged him. Or Bruce Banner transforming into the Hulk. A simple Jekyll and Hyde idea done in comic book form. In the original Robert Louis Stevenson story, Mr. Hyde is a murderous evil brute, sort of like a, a Freudian id idea. He's not meant to be a badass whom Dr. Jekyll is hiding. Get it, Mr. Hyde? The Hulk, however, is a superhero, and he's badass. You don't mess with Dr. Banner, because then you get the Hulk. Somewhere along the line, we as a culture decided to privilege this idea. I maintain it has become especially poisonous in the concept of America herself. Do we think of America as a compassionate country? which will give charity, aid, and succor to those who need it? Or do we want an America that no one will mess with? I recall Stephen Miller pushing back against a reporter who quoted Emma Lazarus's poem, The New Colossus, inscribed on the base of the Statue of Liberty. Miller was asked if the spirit of what has become the new American posture towards immigrants, a decidedly hostile one, can be squared with Lazarus's poem. His response was that the poem was not originally part of the statue. There's more to that story, but even if Miller is correct, what could he have meant by that? That Lazarus' poem does not capture the American attitude towards immigrants? Here's the poem in full. We usually don't hear the full thing. That's a shame. Listen to the whole poem written by Emma Lazarus in 1883 as part of a fundraising effort to pay for the pedestal upon which Lady Liberty would stand on when she was erected in 1886. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land, here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep, ancient lands, your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Now immediately Lazarus seeks to differentiate the statue with the statue of the Colossus of Rhodes, which was built around 280 BCE and which stood roughly the same height of Lady Liberty, about 33 meters high which, by the way, is 70 cubits. In case you're wondering what a cubit was, it's about 19 inches long, the distance from the tip of your middle finger to your elbow. But anyway, the Colossus of Rhodes was built to commemorate a military victory, hence Lazarus's opening, not like the brazen giant with conquering limbs. As the poem goes on, she expressly says... That America welcomes the tired, poor, huddled masses, the wretched refuse, the homeless. In fact, she doesn't just welcome them. She commands the rest of the world to give them to her. What happened to that America? When did we become so concerned about not being messed with or being badass above all else? 
Why is strength, toughness, power, or being a badass the ultimate virtue? Why do we have tropes about the father threatening to kill anyone who messes with his daughter instead of tropes about fathers offering comfort to a daughter who has been abused? Yes, agreed. Deterrence is effective, and we can stop much evil simply by deterring it. But surely that can't be the reason. No one says, don't mess with America, because they're really saying, that's how we maintain peace. People wear t-shirts or deploy bumper stickers that say that because they want to live in a badass country. How many badasses wear t-shirts that say, free hugs? Or, talk to me if you've been hurt, I'll make it better. Empathy is not weakness. Feeling what another person is feeling and reaching out to comfort him or her is not a vice. Forgiving enemies is not bad. In fact, those who can and do such things, those who can heal, cure, and comfort, those who sh can show compassion, perhaps those people are the true badasses.